Good morning. How you guys doing? Awesome. I love you too. No, I'm kidding. Um, real quick survey here. Just got to feel out the uh, audience a little bit. Raise, a ha- raise your hand if you grew up with an older brother or an older sister. Wow. We have a lot in common. Great. So you're going to relate to me a lot. Um, I'm going to be sharing a couple things about my older brother. And um, what is it about older siblings? You know, I, sometimes I wonder, is it just me? Does it seem like they're a part of like a secret club? Kind of like Fight Club, you know, first rule of Fight Club, you don't talk about Fight Club. Well, first rule about being an older brother or sister, you don't talk about being an older brother or sister. And then the second rule is you need to make your little brother or your little sister's life horrible. You need to humiliate them. You need to make them just, you have to play tricks on them. You got to do all types of stuff to your little brother or your little sister. And I've got a million stories about my brother and uh, the way he would embarrass me and all that. But I'm going to share a couple with you. I'm going to share one with you right now. See, my brother is about nine years older than I am. So when I was growing up and I was really little, I'd look up to him and be like, oh, man, he's like the cooler, older brother. He was in high school before I was and all that. So he had cooler friends. So I'd hang out with him all the time. And when we were watching TV one day, I was probably like seven years old. He uh, turns to me and goes, hey, uh, hey, George. And I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? You know? He's like, uh, would you like a dollar? And man, when you're seven years old, someone tells you, do you want a dollar? I'm like... Yes, I want a dollar. Yeah, what do I got to do? You know, think about a dollar when you're a little kid. I mean, you could buy ice cream with that dollar, right? You could buy chewing gum, a lot of chewing gum back then. Um, you could buy, like, you could, save that, you could save that dollar so you could buy a toy later on, right? I mean, it was like hitting the lotto at seven years old. What do I got to do, bro? He's like, okay, check it out. Simple. I need you to run as fast as you can to the kitchen, grab my favorite cup that I like to drink out of, go and fill it up with water, and put, here's the most important part, don't miss it, four ice cubes in it. Not three, not five, exactly four ice cubes. If you do this in 10 seconds, I will give you a dollar. So I'm like, all right, game on, let's go. I, I, I'm, I want that dollar so bad. You know, I could hear the ice cream truck from two miles away. Let's do this, you know. So I'm like, all right, ready, set, go. I started running as fast as my seven-year-old legs can possibly go to that kitchen. So you hear, you know, and I run and I'm freaking out. I start getting really nervous. I grab his cup and in the background, I hear my, my brother going, 10, 9. I'm just like, oh, where's the water? Where's the water? Where I'm running around, you know. I go to the refrigerator, fill it up with water. And it's just, you know how that thing in the refrigerator takes forever. And you're just like, come on, come on, come on. I got a dollar here, you know, come on. And then I go to the ice machine and then all of a sudden, all this ice. All this ice comes out. I'm just like, oh, I'm sticking my hand inside his water. You know, he probably didn't know that story until right now, but it's all right, whatever. So I'm just grabbing the ice. I'm counting. I go, one, two, three, four. Grab it. I start running toward the door. Let's say that's the door right there. I'm running. You know, three, two, one. Oh, and I'm like, oh, great. Man, he goes, man, you, George, you were so close. But hey, thanks for the water. I really appreciate it. I'm like, yeah, no problem, big bro. All right, fine. And here's the thing, I didn't, I, it, it happened, he would ask this question to me randomly, and I knew it was coming. So this, this question of, hey, you want a dollar? You want a dollar? You want a dollar? I, it was like a nightmare in my head. I was just like, man, when is he going to ask it? And, you know, next time I'm going to do better. Next time I'm going to run faster, you know? So one day we were playing video games, and he goes, hey, you want a dollar? I'm like, yes, I want a dollar. He's like, all right, 10 seconds, go. And I run faster this time, and I grab the ice, I come back, and he, right there, the door's right there, and he goes, five, four, three, two, one, oh, I'm like, come on, bro. I was so close. He's like, yeah, you were like two seconds late, man. 
One day you're going to get it, George. But hey, thanks for the water. I really appreciate it. And like, I didn't even know this, but he started his own butler service, and I was his personal butler. I had no idea that he had this whole mastermind thing. I'm like, man, I can't believe I fell for it. And it happened over and over and over and over again. I felt like I was never going to get that dollar. I think I remember being in the second year of college thinking, you know, I really don't think he wants to give me that dollar, you know. And I'm really tired of getting them cups of water, you know, like seriously. Uh, but, you know, I think maybe you've been in the same similar situation. Maybe you're not worried about a cup full of four ice cubes. But um, I think we've all at one point or another have felt like we just couldn't win sometimes. Like we just couldn't get victory over a certain thing. Whatever it is, it was always like this, this cycle of just being defeated, you know. Like I, maybe some of us think that, you know, this world sometimes can be like, it's like playing a practical joke on us. And it feels like there's somebody else on the other side that's trying to hold us back from actually winning. You know, maybe you're here and you're, you're single. And, you know, you're, George, man, I just want to find that person. But here's the thing, George. Every time that I find someone that, that you know, I think I'm interested in, I'm like, all right, this might, this might work. You know, you pray about it and all that, great. You start going, you're going out with them. You start a relationship with them. And then what happens? I don't know what happens. Something just falls apart. You go, all right, you know what? God didn't want that for me. So I'm going to go to somebody else. And the same thing happens. You have a relationship, everything's going great, and then all of a sudden it falls apart. Go to somebody else, you go to somebody else, and you just play this game of heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. And you ask yourself, man, am I ever going to win? Seriously, I'm tired of this, you know? Or maybe you're a parent here, and you've told yourself, you have a goal. I'm not going to show anger to my kids. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm just going to take it easy and try to help. You know, that's all I'm going to do. But what happens? It's one of those days, Right? Extra traffic on the Palmetto. When is it not? But, you know, extra traffic on the Palmetto. You get to work and there's all this backed up work that you got to get rid of. All this stuff. Or maybe, like, you lose your job and you're just like, oh, you get home. Your kids are going nuts. And you're just trying to talk to them. You're trying to stay calm. But then you're getting frustrated because they're not listening to you. And all of a sudden, boom. You explode. You lose it. And it's okay. It happens, right? But you're stuck in the situation again. You're going, I can't believe I did that. Again, I can't believe I failed. You know, I I think for a lot of us, it's like a sin or a temptation, you know, that just keeps tripping us up. It's it's something that just we keep falling for over and over and over again. And before we know it, we look like I did when I was seven years old, running around my house with a cup of water, and I was always two seconds late. But here's the great thing that I know, and I know that most of us know this. God has a plan for you and I. See, in his word, it says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And plans to give you hope and the future. But here's the other side of this. Okay? God has a plan for us. But someone else has a plan for us as well. There's an enemy. And his name is Satan. And he also has a, a, a real nice plan. A plan that's not, it's definitely not for us. But it's a plan to derail you from the amazing things that God wants to show you and that God has planned for you. And what's crazy about it is that Satan is not very creative. I've got to be very careful because I'm talking about the devil here, so he might like try some interesting tricks. But, you know, he's not very creative. He's very uninspired. Um, he only has a few tricks up his sleeve, just a couple, just a few. And the reason why he doesn't have a lot, like an arsenal of stuff that he attacks us with, is because they've been working so well for him since the beginning of time. You see... In the time that we have together, I want to talk about having real victory over these things. We've been in this series called Real. 
And we've been studying through the, the book of 1 John. And up to this point, John has told us what real faith looks like, what real transformation looks like, how we should really view God. You know, and today we're going to talk about real victory because here's what I know. I know every single person in this room wants to win in some area of your life. I know that nobody here woke up and said, man, I can't wait to feel heartbroken again. I can't wait to fail again. I can't wait to fall for this sin again. I know nobody here did that. Ultimately, we want to we go from here to where God wants us to be. And see, in our time together, we're going to see in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, John is going to give us the key to victory. He's going to give us three things that we have to t- uh, t- take really close attention to. So let's read it together. It says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Just pause and give me your attention. The first thing that we need to do in order to live in victory, it's in your outline. Number one, number one is you need to know your enemy. Do we have any Miami Heat fans in the house? Oh, sorry. all right, all right, cool. All right. NBA Finals, how amazing was that? Seriously, I mean, we just like wiped them out. It was awesome, you know. I was actually on like a little mini vacation, little weekend out with my wife. Uh, Evelyn and I were in Naples, and I was watching the game there, and I was like, going crazy over there you know like i was just like watching the game just like oh yeah miller yeah all right, all right you know going crazy and here's the thing when they won i already knew what was going to happen i grew up in hialeah i know what's going on i already knew i, I saw this I, it's like i prophesied what was going to happen you know and uh, i was there looking at instagram looking at my iphone and looking at my facebook and just seeing pictures of 49th street and all this stuff and i was i told evelyn i'm like sweetie let's get in the car that's we got to get there man we got to drive an hour and a half and she's like go to sleep. We're not doing that. I'm like, fine. But can you imagine if I would have done that like in Naples? I mean, I probably would have gotten arrested. You know, like in Naples, everything closes down after like five o'clock. So like the big headline on the newspaper, it's like, oh, uh, skinny, weird Hispanic dude hitting pots and pans, walking around Naples, gets tackled because he thinks that they think that he's a zombie or something, you know. But anyway, um, I, but something that I think about sometimes about that game is this. Imagine if Oklahoma City were the people they were, they were against. Imagine if somehow they would have had like spies or something and they somehow would have gotten a hold of the Heat playbook. Can you imagine what would happen to that game? Like if they knew every move, every formation, every move that the Heat were going to make before they made it, I'm pretty sure we would have a different NBA champion right now. And that's what John is telling us in this verse that we just read. He gave us the playbook, not the Heat's playbook, but Satan's playbook, you know, and Satan's playbook for our lives is real simple. Like I told you, he doesn't have a lot. He's not very creative. I got to watch my back when I say this stuff. But um, So we're going to take a moment and, and we've, you know, if we're going to really look into this and we're really going to know who our enemy is, we need to know every trick in this playbook. We need to know every play that he runs on us. And we need to know every move he's going to make before he makes it. Because if not, we're going to fall for the same temptation and we're going to feel defeated every single time. So there's three of them. The first one in your outline is this, the lust of the flesh. He says that in the verse. The lust of the flesh, think about things that you can touch, you can taste. So it's sex, drugs, alcohol, food, gluttony. I mean, even food can be the lust of the flesh, right? Next one is the lust of the eyes. 
These are things that you can see, your possessions, your beauty, your clothing, uh, your, that $600 purse, that giant yacht that you can't afford, the things that we want, but we can't really have, but we can see them. That's the lust of the eyes. The lust, and then the last one is the pride of life. These are the things that feed our pride. The things that, when we want to be popular, our popularity, the desire for power, the, uh, the, the, we want to have a title because it looks very nice and it, it also shows that we have power. Or the obsession or the running after money, those are, that's the things of the pride of life. Satan knows that one of these areas in our lives hits us really hard and he tempts us in those areas all the time. So if you take a moment, look at that list. There's so many more things you could write in here. But which one is your enemy? Which one is it? Which area is your enemy? You need to know it. Because here's the thing. When Satan comes at me in one of these areas, I, get, I feel re- I, it's so hard to explain what happens to us when we get tempted by the devil. It, you know what? It kind of feels like this. Check it out. Now listen, cadet. I've got a job for you. See this button? Don't touch it! It's the history eraser button, you fool! So what'll happen? That's just it. We don't know. Maybe something bad. Maybe something good. I guess we'll never know. Because you're going to guard it. You won't touch it, will you? Oh, how long can trusty cadet Stimpy hold out? How can he possibly resist the diabolical urge to push the button that could erase his very existence? Will his tortured mind give in to its uncontrollable desires? Can he withstand the temptation to push the button that even now beckons him ever closer? Will he succumb to the maddening urge to eradicate history at the mere push of a single button? The beautiful, shiny button! The jolly, candy-like button! Will he hold out, folks? Can he hold out? Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> oh, man. Seriously. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, I know it's not just me and, and Stimpy up there. Isn't it that exactly how we feel sometimes? Like there's some guy going, how long can you? You know, like it's the same feeling that we get every time that we get tempted. And, man, it's amazing. Yeah, like if you feel that way, you're not alone. You see, here's the thing. Just like that announcer, the devil's been doing that to us since the beginning of time, all the way back to the book of Genesis. I mean, we've heard the story of Adam and Eve a few hundred thousand times, right? So we kind of know it already. There's a garden of some sort. We've got Adam, we've got Eve. They're running around having a great time. They're naked, doing their thing, you know, whatever. And the only thing that God told them, just be careful with this one thing. Don't eat the fruit of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is yours. You can start naming your pets and all that stuff and just don't touch that shiny, red, candy-like button the fruit. So the devil goes, man, this is a perfect opportunity for me to take a plan of action. I've got a game plan for Eve. So he, what does he do? He goes, hey, Eve, uh, so did God really tell you you can't eat, you know, all the fruits of the garden? He's like, well, I mean, not really. He said we could eat all of them, but like just, just that one we can't eat because if I even touch that tree, 
or eat from its fruit, I'm dead. We're going to die. So the devil goes, oh, this is where he's going to twist it. You know, I don't, I don't think you're really going to die. You know, and, you know, I think, this is my opinion, but, you know, I think that God doesn't want you to eat from that tree. Why? Because he knows the moment you do, you're going to know the difference between good and evil, and you're going to be wise just like God. So if you eat from that tree, you're going to become like God, and he doesn't want that. So right now, in that moment, I can only imagine Eve is probably feeling a lot like Stimpy. How long can you take you know, the fruit of the tree? Eat it, eat it. Come on, come on, go. And she has to make a split-second decision. And I wrote the outcome. Obviously, we know the outcome, but it's in your notes. Genesis 3, 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate it. She pressed the button. And you see, did you catch what that verse said, though? Because remember the three areas that we're talking about? It's amazing, but those three areas that, Jesus, that, um, that the devil tempts us in are actually in that one small little verse. See, when it says, she saw that it was good for what? For food, that's the lust of the flesh. It also says, it was pleasant to the eyes. Ooh, that, that button looks really nice. I want to press that button, right? I want that fruit so bad. That's the lust of the eyes. And amazingly, even the third one, it says the tree was desirable to make one wise or make her kind of like what? Like God. And that's the pride of life, power, the lust of the flesh. It's all in that one thing. Satan hit her with all three of them in one shot. And what's crazy is that even today, we fall for the same three things. See, I remember um, when Evelyn and I, we were engaged, not too long ago, but we were engaged a while back. And um, she invited me over to her relative's house. Say, hey, you want to come over for some dinner and stuff? I'm like, oh, all right, cool, no problem. I get there, sit down at the table, and um, on my right, there's like a family room. On the left, there's like a kitchen area, and there's a table right in the middle. And they were watching Spanish television when I got there. Um, What's going on with Spanish television, seriously? Like the novelas and the soap operas and stuff. Why do they have to be so overly dramatic? Maria, por qué me dejaste valer? Like, they just like, they become like these, like, they're, they're, no one talks to each other like that, you know? Like, and then like, oh, I got to break up with my boyfriend, so I'm going to wear a bikini to break up with them. Like, it's just like, what's, like, really? Who, who does that? You know, they're so overly dramatic and it's just so cheesy, you know? And everybody has double names, Maria, Guadalupe, La Vesiva, La Javelin, whatever, you know? <laughs> And it's just like, man, no one talks like that. And, or have you seen some of these game shows where they, they have these women and they, they need to put on a lot more clothes on, you know? So, I mean, I sit down to, to eat dinner and they're watching one of those game shows and I see some women on there. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. And I'm like, George, listen carefully, carefully. Do not, do not look to your right ever again. As far as this is concerned, from this point on in dinner, the si- this side of the building does not exist, Okay. And I look, Evelyn was actually over here. She was like, her back was to me. She was like cleaning some dishes or something. So I'm like, okay, I'm good. All right, all right, good, great. And you probably listen to that story and you go, well, George, that's, that's okay. That's, you, 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 you got away from some temptation, but I mean, that's not a real big deal, you know? But here's what happened after. See, we, uh, we ate dinner. We had a great night and we were engaged. So I was leaving, I was leaving to go, you know, back to my house because we weren't living together at the time. And I'm like, all right, well, sweetie, hey, I'll call you when I get home. And, uh, you know, I love you. And, and she's like, um, hey, um, I saw you. And I'm like, oh, no. You know, like, what do you mean you saw? What are you talking about? <laughs> Sweetie, I love you. What are you talking about? You know, and she's like, I saw what you did with the TV. 
And I'm freaking out. I'm just like, oh, great. You know, like, here we go. That's it. The wedding's over, you know. And uh, I'm like, what did I do? She's like, you know, I saw you looked, but then you looked away. And you never looked back. And she goes, George, I have to be 100% honest with you. That meant so much to me. I can't even explain that, you know. Like, when I saw you look away from that TV and you didn't look back, it made me feel like I was the most beautiful woman on the planet. And, yeah, that's right. Amen. <laughs> and uh, here's the thing. You know, I had, I had no idea. I mean, like, when I looked, she wasn't looking at me, so I'm like, all right, cool. I got away. You know, cool. I, I'm not looking at it. All right. But I had no idea she was watching me. She was watching every single move. And sometimes we do stuff we don't know that people are watching, but because... I didn't know she was watching me, but I knew one thing. I knew an area of temptation that I'm weak at. I knew my enemy was going to try to use that against me. And right before it happened, I decided to make a decision to not go toward it. I decided to stop the devil right in his tracks before anything else happened. And because I made that decision, I honored my future wife. My future wife at that point got confirmation from God going, you see that man that you're going to marry? He's a faithful man. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to look twice, you know. And you see, I finally had victory. I finally felt like I won. And, you know, it's important. Why did I win? Because I knew my enemy and I knew my area of temptation. So the first thing, like I told you in your outline, was you need to know your enemy. You need to know your enemy. That's the first thing. Second thing we need to do in order to live in victory is we need to combat lies with truth. The best way I could explain this is looking at the example of Jesus when he's fasting in the desert for 40 days. If you guys know me on a personal level, you know my love for food. Uh, you know how much I eat like an animal, a pig at one point. Someone told me once, and that's fine. I'll take that. I like food. You can call me whatever you want, but I'm still going to eat all that food. Um, and I just love it. I just, it's just something about it. It's, just, it's my thing, right? But can you imagine not eating for 40 days? How do you think you'd feel? How about this? Try not eating for four days. How do you think that would feel, right? That's pretty bad. I can't even dream about not eating for four minutes. And I'm going to get angry, cranky. Um, you know how it is. You're, you're thinking about lunch right now. Like, man, where do you want to go eat? No, I don't know. But look, once this message is over, I'm starving. I got to eat something. I'm going to punch somebody, you know? Like, <laughs> so imagine Jesus at 40 days. I mean, I'm sure he's got, he's, he's feeling pretty crazy. You know, he's probably a little delusional. He's probably, I'm like, I, I, need to, I need to eat something. But you know what? That's fine. I put it in your notes, the story, because it's so important. He's going to show us a great example of how to combat lies with truth. It starts in verse 3 in Matthew 4. Check it out. It says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Are you hungry, Jesus? Come on. Come on, man. Just do it. Right? Jesus says, uh, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, well, if you're the son of God, then just throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus said, no, nah, man, homie, don't play that. Sorry, not doing it. It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. But he still doesn't get it. So what does he do? Oh, again, the devil took him up on the exceedingly high mountain, showed him the kingdoms everything and all their glory and he said to them look doesn't that look pretty lust of the eyes by the way right there he said, doesn't that look awesome if you, i will give all these things to you if all you do is just fall down 
and worship me. But Jesus said, no. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And look what happened. The devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. I mean, what an amazing example. I mean, it's a lot harder to do that, you know, than it seems when you just read it, and Jesus is just like, boom, boom, just hitting them back with truth, truth, truth. And it's amazing because, you know, he was in one of his weakest moments that we ever read in the Bible. And isn't that such a coincidence that the devil loves attacking you and I at our weakest moments? Moments that we, we, we feel desperate, moments we, we're looking for hope and all that. That's when he loves to trick us. But they're all lies. They're all lies. And we have to combat that with truth. Where did Jesus go to find truth? He went right to the word of God. He went right to the source. He didn't do anything else except... Uh, recite scripture because he knew that it was true and see this is the way it works in our lives a lot of times we struggle in a certain area in our lives whatever it is on that list that we wrote right and in a weak moment you hear a voice a voice that tells you hey uh, one more drink's not going to be a big deal go ahead it's just a drink yeah one more two more it's okay you're not gonna, you're not hurting anybody right or you hear the voice saying oh um you're looking at that woman, you know, that's not your wife in the wrong way. Yeah, it's all right. Not a big deal. You're not hurting anybody. No one got hurt. You're not disrespecting anybody. Maybe. But no, it's okay. Or maybe that voice, when you're, you're really weak, you're, going, you're getting angry, and that voice tells you, that person can't talk to you like that. Yeah, you know, you're right. No, yeah, go do something. Get angry. Get even angry and go do something about it. See, in those moments, when you hear that voice, those are all lies. How do I know? I'm not a psychic, but I do know this. I know that in the Word, I can combat each one of those lies. And I'll give you an example. Oh, you're looking at a woman that's not your wife in the wrong way? I'm not hurting anybody. It's not a big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal. Because look what Jesus says in Matthew 5. It says, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman, just looks at a woman, to lust for her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. How about another one? No, get angry. Go do something. Get angry. Get angry. Right? What does it say in Ephesians? Yeah, you could be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give, what? Place to the devil. Or one of my favorite ones that I hear all the time. Yeah, but George, you don't understand, man. You don't understand my situation. That man hurt me. That girl hurt me. He used me. She broke my heart. He shattered my heart into pieces. I have to get him back because you know what? He or she deserves it. I got to get my revenge. That's a lie. That's a lie. And I pray that you would never listen to that voice because you know what? In my favorite chapter of the entire Bible, it says this in Romans 12 19. It says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. He's trying to take care of us. You know, He's trying to give us the truth that we need in order to combat Satan in these areas that come up all the time. And you see, if it's not in the Word of God, if it's not in your Bible, it's just a twisted substitute of the truth. See, the devil has this amazing way of intertwining into our lives and, and making things look like what we really want, but he twists them into something else, doesn't it? A lot of times we're looking for something that would fulfill us. He's looking for, we're looking for something special. And then the devil goes, oh, I got you. Check this out. Look at all this. Just like he did to Jesus, right? But what does that do? It ends up making us feel empty inside. 
usually it ends up, we're, and we end up broken. And to tell you the truth, a lot of times that we fall for Satan's tricks, what happens? We end up running as fast as we can back to God. And you see, a lot of times we're looking for real love. Real love. There's nothing like love. But Satan offers us real lust. We're looking for value, position, all that stuff, power. But Satan offers us pride. And none of this stuff will give you victory. At the end, we will feel the same way that we always felt when we fought for those. We'll feel defeated. And like we're at the bottom, we've got to start all over again. Two seconds too late with my little cup of water, right? But this is why it's so important to grow in your faith. And here's the thing. We're in the middle of some growth groups right now that are amazing. Over almost 200 people have signed up to join the growth group. And that's incredible. That's like one of the most that we've ever seen. And it's all about the same thing. 40 days in the Word. It's not a coincidence that we're talking about real victory and knowing truth so that you could combat Satan's lies. Why? Because we want you to learn how to study the Bible in a way that makes sense to you. We want you to memorize verses so that way when you're in these situations, you've got an arsenal of weapons against the enemy. And more importantly, we just want to see you take a step toward God. Our mission here at Calvary Fellowship is always helping you take your next step with God. And you see, when you're in this crazy world, you know, if you don't have that foundation of truth like Jesus did, the only reason why Jesus was able to take Satan head on was because he knew the word. He didn't just know it, he believed it and he had it in his heart. See, in, uh, in Psalms 119, one of my favorite verses, it says this. David says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that's the key, guys. If we want victory, you need to hide his word in his, in his heart. Imagine what would happen if you memorized 40 verses like we're doing in, this, in these growth groups. Imagine what would happen if you had 40 verses in your heart. You'd be able to combat a lot easier, I'll tell you that. And maybe you're here, you know, I didn't, I didn't sign up for a growth group and it's already two weeks in. I don't care, okay? Straight up. You can still sign up. I can guarantee if I talk to a growth group leader right now, they would not turn you away. Because I know, just like anybody else, that growth groups are one of the most important parts of this church. And if you have, if you want to be a part of a growth group and you think it's too late, just write on the back of your connection card what day is good for you and we will get you plugged into a growth group. Or maybe you signed up for your growth group and you haven't been there yet. It's okay. Things happen, I understand. But what if I challenge you to commit? Commit to learning that truth and memorizing that truth, not for, for my sake or for the church's sake, but for your sake and your victory over these areas. So that's the second one. We already talked about two things, right? In order to uh, be in victory, we have to know our enemy. We have to combat lies with truth. And number three, we need to draw close to God. Yeah, but George, come on, man. I always hear that. I've heard like 14 messages that say draw close to God. Draw close to God. Draw close to God. I hear it all the time. Like, yeah, it's a simple statement. It's very hard to do sometimes, though. Very simple, right? But I'm going to give you two things. There's many ways you can draw close to God. One of my two favorites, number one, is just read God's Word. I just told you how you can do that with growth groups. We're doing this whole thing in the Word. That's a great way to do it. If not, have you ever tried a Bible reading plan? Let me tell you, amazing tool. It gives you a roadmap so you can know what you're going to read and when to finish it. If you're actually interested in a Bible reading plan, on the back of your connection card, you can actually sign up. I'll send you a resource. I'll send you a Bible in a year plan so you can read the entire Bible in a year. Can you imagine what our lives would look like if every day for an entire year we read Scripture? I can guarantee you one thing. We'll start looking a lot more like Jesus. And those temptations that we were dealing with before, will start looking a lot smaller. And our God will look a lot bigger. You know, it's just things like that. When you read the word, things happen. 
one of the things that helped me out too, when I first got saved, now almost uh, four and a half years ago, um, one thing that I do, and just don't judge me right now when I tell you this, okay? I'm still your friend, okay? Just listen, just open mind. Um, I kind of like rewriting the Bible a little bit. I'm like, what? How dare you say that? Get off the stage, you know? No, but I, what I do is this. It was hard for me to read the Bible at the beginning because I just, I, I don't read. You know, I grew up in Hialeah. We don't read, you know? Just whatever. You know, whatever. I'm, not, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But what I would do is I would get the name of the, of the main character of a story and I would replace that name with my name. So it's interesting you think like, well, all right. But here's the thing. When I'm reading about Joseph and Joseph getting into slavery and doing all this and all the pressures of this and all that, he's enslaved and he's this and that and that. And I'm just like, man, if I replace that with George, I go, man, that's what I'm going through right now. I'm going through that right now. Man, I feel this way. I feel like I'm in this part of George's story. But then what happens? You keep reading and you keep reading and you find out at the end what? We rejoice because what? Joseph or George in this case, the Lord delivered him. And you know, it's an amazing thing. It's very encouraging when I'm reading that story and it says my name instead of someone else's name because now I'm like, it's hitting a little closer to home. So it's a great trick. You could try it. I do it all the time. Uh, When Jesus healed George, you know, I was just like, man, because... It just does an amazing thing. It just encourages you to keep reading it because you're thinking you're reading the whole story about yourself. But anyway, um, it's awesome. It really does help a lot. Second thing we got to do in order to draw close to God, we need to talk to God. If any of you have ever been in a growth group with me, you probably heard me talk about this. It's no rocket science. We need to talk to God. How do we do that? We all know by prayer, right? But, oh, George, I don't know how to pray. I don't know the fancy words. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't read Leviticus yet. That's great. Neither have I, you know, like, like, but I don't know all the fancy words either. Look, growing up in Hialeah and going to Hialeah, I don't think I even take my SATs once. I mean, I haven't done anything very scholastic, you know, I'm just being really honest. I talk the way I'm talking to you right now. And here's the thing, that's how I talk to God when I pray. I don't know any fancy stuff. I'm not this fancy dude, you know, so I just go, hey, God, what's up? Uh, man, I just lost my job. What, what do I do now, God? I need you right now. God, this person just passed away. Lord, what do I do without them? Help me. Comfort me. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying, God, you know, I don't know why this happened, but, you know, I know that you have a plan for me, so just, just help me, God. I hope you hear me. Just come out. You know, I'm just talking to them just the way I would normally talk to anybody. Think about the person that you love the most in life. It could be a relative. It could be your, your wife, a spouse, a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Think about the way you talk to them. You know, the average Christian prays for a total of six minutes a day. Six minutes. Think about your boyfriend. Think about your wife. Think about your mom. If you only spoke to them for six minutes, what type of relationship would that look like? If I, only talk, if I only talked to Evelyn for six minutes, yeah, done. Done. I mean, no, no questions asked, you know? Because here's what I know. When we spend more time with God, when we spend more time talking to Him, casually, just talking to Him, when we spend more time reading about Him, our temptations are easier and easier to overcome. We'll have more and more victories because God is the only, God is the only one that can give us that victory. You know, I, t- I, showed you, I, t- I shared a story about my brother. Ah, why not? I'll share another story about him. Um, we used to love wrestling when we were little kids. Like, I thought I, I, thought I was Hulk Hogan. I, I know, I know. Calm down, I know. I'm about to rip now, I'm just kidding. But I thought I was Hulk Hogan. My brother was like the ultimate warrior, and we would wrestle all the time. 
But, you know, we're nine years apart, so I was like this scrawny little toothpick, and this guy was like this big guy, you know? So we would wrestle, and I remember like running up to him. He would grab me, body slam me. I'm like, whoa, and I'd go flying. And I'm like, all right, let's do it again. I'll take you out. I'll take you out. I'll jump at him again. He would grab me, boom, body slam me again. I'd go flying, you know? And uh, one day, I remember my, my mom always going, Oye, mijito, ten cuidado. You know, watch out. You're going to get hurt. You stop playing around like that. I'm like, oh, mom, come on, man. We're just boys. Come on. It's all right. One day, my brother gets me, and, like, he throws me as hard as I think I've ever been thrown in my life. Okay? He really just grabs me. He's like, all right, you're going down. Here we go. Boom! I was like, oh! And I start flying. I'm laughing. I'm like, ha, 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 And then my head hits the corner of a table. Boom. I was like, oh, I turn around. I'm like, oh, man. And here's the thing. Remember, we talked about older siblings, right? What is it about older brothers and sisters that all of a sudden they're the cool people and all that? But once you get in trouble, like, hey, 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 don't cry. Don't cry. You're going to get me in trouble. I got to go out. I got to go out this weekend. Don't, don't get me in trouble with mom. Come on. That's what he did. That's what he got. He got on top of me. He's like, hey, 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 it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't cry. Don't let mom hear you. I'm like, all right, all right, just get off me, man. Just get, come on, all right. Oh, man. And then I looked at my hand, and it was covered in blood. Covered in blood. I looked down. Someone spilled Kool-Aid all over the place. Like, I'm like, oh. And then I have right there, right in that moment. You, you feel me? Right in that moment, I have a split decision to make. Do I listen to my brother? And not cry, not say anything, not go to my mom or whatever, and bleed to death. <laughs> or do I go and run as fast as I can and scream at the top of my lungs to my mom? Well, guess what? I'm pretty smart in that case, and I ran as fast as I could to my mom. And here's the thing. I ran up to my mom. I was covered in blood, like a horror film. I was just like, I ran up to her, my mom. I don't know how she didn't have a heart attack. I go, look what your son did. I'm like covered in blood. And she's like, ah! I don't know how I, I didn't kill her. Seriously. Like she grabbed me. She freaked out. She told my brother, ah, nah, nah, nah. you know, she put me in the car. We went to the hospital. They gave me stitches and I survived. And uh, yeah, amen. Thank God for that. Yeah. But here's the thing. My brother didn't know. He probably didn't know that. What he was trying to do, what he was telling me to do, what he was telling me to do was, hey, George, don't go to the only person that can save you in this situation. How often does that happen to you and I when it comes to the devil and God? See, I don't want, at this moment, I don't want to really compare my brother to the devil. That's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> it's not like the ultimate payback, you know? Um, but in all sincerity and, like, and seriously, how often do you hear that, that voice telling you, hey, you don't, don't, don't go to God, right? Because here's what Satan does, right? He's got a three-step process. Here's the temptation. Okay. Here's sin. And now there's shame. That's what he does every single time. There's temptation. We fall. We sin. And now we feel shameful for what we've done. And then he tells you this. You know, don't go to God. Look what you did. Look at, look at all the stuff you did. I mean, can you imagine? God's not going to forgive you for all of that. All that stuff right there, he's not going to. Don't go to God. And you see, just like I listened to 
myself and I went straight to the only person that can save me, that's the decision that you have to make here as well. Because what I know is this. We talked about that little voice being lies, right? When you hear the devil telling you, hey, God's not going to forgive you for what you did. God's not going to forgive you for that, for that, for that, for that. He's never going to forgive you for that. That's a complete lie. It's not true. Why? Because we know what is true. We've got a book full of truth. In that book, it says what? That our God is what? Love. What does it also say about love? It says in that book, love covers a multitude of sin. I don't care what you've done in this room. God loves you. It doesn't matter what the other guy wants to tell you. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Why? Because he knew that we were going to fall for Satan's tricks. He knew we were going to be in this cycle of being defeated and feel like a failure and feel like no one would ever want to care about us. But he goes, you know what? I'm going to send my son, Jesus, live the perfect life on this crazy world, sinless life, to pay the ultimate price. And he died on the cross for you and me. You know why? Just so we can have a conversation with God on a regular basis. Just so we can see our lives being transformed. Just so we can see the lives of our friends and family being transformed by his love. Because he knew that we would never be able to pay him back for that. But it doesn't matter because he loves us anyway. A lot of times here in worship, we'll sing and sometimes I'll lead or Joel lead or whatever. And we always sing this, you know, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. We need to start believing that. See, all that is truth as well. He is bigger. He is much bigger than any small problem that we have. And you see, um, maybe you're here today and just like I was kind of beat up in that story, you know, maybe you're here today and you feel a little beat up. Maybe you're, you're feeling a little empty. Maybe you're feeling broken. Maybe your heart has been shattered into pieces. But you have to make a decision. You see, you could decide to listen to that voice and go, man, I'm broken. I'm broken. I'm, that's it. I'm not, that's it. I, I can't, I, there's no hope. I'm done. I feel like the world is crumbling around me. I can't do this anymore on my own. And if, I'm, if I could just be brutally honest, here's the thing. God did not design any of us to do this on our own. This world is crazy, okay? I don't have to tell you that. You know that. There's zombies, there's this, there's random guys in Naples with pots and pans. I understand that, okay? This world is nuts. And out there, there's a lot of people, there's people in this room right now, including myself, that we're struggling with stuff. It's not easy. Just because I'm up here talking doesn't mean that, I, oh, everything's all good. No, it's the same thing. Every person in this room, every single person needs a Savior, and that Savior's name is Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no other, there's no other false, there's no, no, it's just the truth. Jesus Christ is the only person, the only one that can bring real peace. It's in his word. Check it out. It's awesome. He's the only person that can mend a broken heart. I don't care how many pieces it's in. He's the only person that can give you real fulfillment. He's the only person that can give you real victory. And the moment I'm going to pray, and when you talk about the devil, he's very sneaky, but he's not creative. He's got the same tricks. Even while I'm praying, he's going to be telling you, don't go to the only person that can save your life. 
do not accept Jesus. Do not choose Jesus. That's what he's going to tell you. And can I tell you, we've been talking about this the whole, the whole day today, and like, it's a lie. And just like I chose to not listen to my brother, we have a decision to make. When we pray, I'm going to invite you guys, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to invite you to, to pray a prayer to accept him. And here's the thing. It's not a magic formula. It's not going to make your life perfect. It's not going to do anything except the fact that you're acknowledging that someone else is your Savior. Not one of these areas of temptation that we keep falling for and these tricks that the devil uses. See, every time that we don't, we listen to that voice and we don't listen to the other one, the devil gets all the victory. Satan gets all the victory. He wants you exactly where he wants you. And when I accepted Jesus like four and a half years ago, I can't tell you what he's done for me. I can't. I don't even remember that George anymore. You know, like, I don't remember the way I would just sarcastically stab people with words and break their hearts and do all this stuff. I don't remember that guy anymore because it says you are a new creation with Jesus Christ. That decision is going to change your life. It's going to change your relationships. It's going to change everything about you. And I just pray, I pray, and I pray, and I pray that you choose Christ. You don't listen to that voice. I pray that you choose Christ, and I pray that today we all would choose to have real victory in this crazy world. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you because you are above all other things in this world, God. Lord, you are amazing. I've seen you do amazing things with people who are sitting here right now, people who used to feel empty, people who used to feel like there was no hope, there was no way out. And I've seen people be transformed by the power of just your name, God. Lord, I pray right now. People might be listening to a voice, the voices that are going on right now. I, I, I rebuke anything that the devil's trying to do right now because anyway, he doesn't have any power over you. God, in the moment, we're going to pray. We're going to find people that need you, Lord, more than anything else, God. And I just pray right now, God, that they would choose your son. God, you loved us so much. He sent them into the world, and we will never be able to repay you for that, God. But I know that you're not even looking for it. You just want us to talk to you and draw close to you every single day. So with every head bowed and every eyes closed, if, you're listen, if you've been listening to me and uh, you've been really thinking about, man, George, I need, I need a way out. I need an exit. I need to get out of here because this, this world is driving me crazy. It's driving me, my family, my kids. It's driving us crazy. I don't know what else I could possibly do to finally feel like I'm worth something and finally feel like I can finally win at something. So if you are one of those people, you're tired of being broken, you're tired of feeling alone, wherever you are in your seat, every eye's closed, no one's looking around, I want to ask you to please raise your hand. I want to pray specifically for you. So anybody who has a hand up, I see your, I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? I see your hand. God bless you. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness, and I thank you for these people who have boldly raised their hand. And there might be people who didn't raise their hand, and that's fine as well, God. Lord, I thank you that you are the same today, tomorrow, and forever, God. And I pray for these people specifically right now, God, that they would feel your love, your presence, God, in their lives, God. And if you raise your hand, I just want, I want to take a second to just pray with you. And this is a prayer that I need you to repeat. And it's not a magic formula, like I said, but it's just the, it's you expressing to God how you feel in this moment and acknowledging that you need a Savior. So if you're ready, everybody in the room, I want you guys to all help us out and pray together. Just repeat after me. It says, Dear God, I come to you today and I say I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made for the sins that I've committed. Thank you for Jesus who died for me that I may have life. I want to walk with you all the days of my life starting right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.